0: Started uh, in the second lesson on the church covenant. Last week we began in the first lesson and we we shared the power, the profession, and the promise in the covenant. And tonight we're going to talk about a person, the plan, and the, the purpose in the covenant. From the first paragraph, last week we can conclude that we have the reason for this covenant. We have been drawn by the Holy Spirit. We have believed in Jesus. Jesus has saved us. We have professed our faith before the church. We've been baptized and entered into the church. And in the second paragraph tonight, we're going to see the requirements that we have together as a whole specifically. And again, like last week, it begins with the person, by the aid of the Holy Spirit. We engage, therefore by the aid of the Holy Spirit. I have heard millions of sermons. Well, I know there I haven't heard millions, but I know there have been, millions of sermons that have talked about our duty as a Christian as to how we're to live and the things we're to do and the way we're to behave and 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 so many of them have never talked about the power by which we will do these things and have this behavior but we do not have that failure when it comes to the covenant by aid of the Holy Spirit It says God knows it's impossible for us to live up to the commands of his of his word. Uh, the, The requirements of this covenant, it's impossible without the person of the Holy Spirit. There's the one who does keep this covenant, and there's the one who doesn't keep this covenant. Now, the one who doesn't keep this covenant is the one who tries to live the Christian life by way of their own ability, from uh, by their own power, in their own willpower, in their human strength strength and in natural reasoning. That is the way many people try to live the Christian life. If we were honest, that's probably the way every one of us tried to start out living the Christian life. We, we didn't learn how to live the Christian life at first, and we tried to do it in our own ability and in our own strength. And, and thank God that we have learned that we find the way to live the Christian life is by way of the power of the Holy Spirit submitting to Him and depending on Him. Because, because if we don't, we're going to fade and, and we're going to fall away. Many preachers fall away from the pulpit because they don't live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The supernatural life cannot be lived by a natural means. Paul even had his mistake. We have the testimony in Romans chapter 7. I'm not going to read it, we're not going to go there. I shared it a few weeks ago. But Romans chapter 7, you can call that Paul's testimony of trying to live the supernatural life by natural means, and he was unable to do so. I received a phone call this, this week right, in the, right at the peak of, of my sickness and the last thing I wanted to do was talk on the phone well, 90 minutes later Anyway, uh, a brother in Christ called me I haven't spoken to in years and he talked about a struggle that he was having in his Christian life. He's in church. He's going to even special Bible studies and he's seeking the Lord in the middle of a desperate problem he's in but he started describing an issue he was having and he doesn't know Romans chapter 7. He probably knows it now because I said you need to go to Romans 7 and and you need to read Paul saying the exact Exact same thing of the exact same problem that he had that that you're having. I tell you what, it is a miserable situation to try to live the Christian life by way of natural means. It's not going to happen. It is going to be a failure. Paul describes the situation at the end of Romans seven by saying, "Who shall deliver me?" From the body of this death. That is is a statement of misery when we're wanting to live the Christian life. But we find ourselves not doing what what we want to do and doing what we don't want to do. That happens by natural means. So praise God for such a scriptural covenant that would have us to see the person of the Holy Spirit. Before we get into these requirements, we are told here that it's by aid of the Holy Spirit. The one who doesn't keep the covenant is the one who does not walk in the Spirit. But the one who does keep the covenant, let's talk about that person for a minute. Praise God that we are encouraged, we have hope. There is success for every church member. To be able to live by and fulfill the requirements of this covenant by walking in the power of the Spirit. That's why God's Word has told us in Ephesians 5.18 that we are to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be under the control of the Spirit. We're to be influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 familiar verses to all it tells us of the fruit of the spirit it tells us of nine results that are going to happen in our lives when we are being controlled by the spirit of God and all around that in Galatians 5 we are taught to live in we are told to walk in the spirit the spirit of God is in perfect agreement with the word of God when someone says the Spirit of God has led me to do this or that, but but there is an opposition from the Word of God against that, you know that they're lying or they are deceived, And they want to deceive you. Because the Holy Spirit is in perfect harmony with God's will. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to keep the word of God. And we find the word of God in this scriptural covenant. Now let's go on from the person though. And and we're going to look at the plan. The plan for the people of God as a whole in the church are to walk together in Christian love. There is the motivating factor of the love of God in our lives. In 1 John chapter 4, it says if a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Jesus says in John 13 and 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Romans chapter 13 and verse 10 Says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I went to a to a funeral in East Texas just after I was saved. I I drove some family members there, and and I remember one. I, I hadn't known the Word of God very much, and yet, and um, but I remember leaving that funeral and i remember the funeral message was all about the word love at the funeral and and when we left someone who was who was more grounded in the word of god than than i was which wasn't very much at the time they said what a waste of words because they didn't know what love was you know the, there's a difference in the world's definition of love and there's a difference In the sacrificial love of God. In 1 Corinthians 13. We find that that we're nothing. We can do nothing without love. The Christian love. We're to walk in though. It has been shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost. Who lives within us. Romans chapter 5 says. We're we're saved by a love. And we're saved with a love. To be able to love with. And that love is sacrificial. When we talk about loving one another, we're, we're talking about seeking the well-being of another at one's own expense. You know, so when we talk about loving one another, we're talking about it costing us something. It's not some big emotional mushy pep rally that we have. It's a love that acts. And it's a love that helps another it's going to be a sacrifice at our expense when we go to love someone else the love that we walk together in is going to always cost us and that goes against everything within our flesh and and our our natural means because the temptation of selfishness It will keep us from being sacrificial. I mean, sometimes you have to dig down deep in God's love. Look what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary for all of us. This love is going to dig down deep and it's going to be for the very best of another at our own expense. You know, no one wants that, but that's what this love's going to be. It's going to be sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a definition of love, but it describes love. And one thing it says there is that love seeketh not her own. The love of God, it is not selfish. It is going to go forth to someone else to help them. Proverbs 27, 6 gives us a sacrificial side of things, and it also gives us a selfish side of things. That verse says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Look, when someone says is just filled with words that someone else wants to hear, that's not love. But whenever you're filled with words that someone else needs to hear for their good, look, that is love. Let us be careful in how we picture this love. Let's look at God's love from every aspect. This love that we are to walk in. To walk together in Christian love is what the, the covenant calls for. And so the Christian love, it's something that matures steadily in us, and we grow into it. We don't have just a natural, immediate grasp of it. We grow into this heavenly love. It's a product of heaven. It's not something of this earth. And it sacrifices. And, And praise God, we're motivated. We're motivated to love in it and to act in it. But not only are we motivated by love, But we're making effort by labor. Continue in the the second paragraph with me. To walk together in Christian love. To strive for the advancement of this church. It takes hard work together in the membership of a church for it to happen. It's the Lord's church. But we are privileged to be used by him and and it takes hard work on the part of the people of God for God's church to continue as it should to be successful it takes hard work in all the membership the the word of the covenant here is strive and that word means labor and when you look up the word labor in the bible it's it's the understanding of exerting one's energy to the point of exhaustion Hard work it takes in the Lord's church uh, from every member. A hard-working member is a helping member. A hard-working member of the church uh, helps the advancement of the church. And and look, if there's not hard work going on, then that's a hindrance to the church. You know, it's not flowing as it should. It kind of... uh, kind of makes me think about what junk food does in our arteries. You know, when we eat a lot of junk food, it, it, it collects in the walls of our arteries and, it, and it, starts to, it starts to develop something that slows down and hinders our blood flow. Now, if, if we take two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar three times a day, then that's going to help. To chip away at all that junk that's that's holding back the flow of, of the blood. And, and so what I say by that is that, look, we want to be apple cider vinegar in the church. We don't want to be the junk food. We want to do what we can in, in a way that helps things to flow. And helps us as a church. The design of the Lord putting us into the membership of the church, it is to be a help to the church, not a hindrance. Every church member contributes greatly to this matter. Every member of the church is so extremely important. We're individually important to God and collectively together as the church, we're, we're we're primarily talking about us as a whole, the church as a whole, and our requirements together, and and so. But every single one is important. Our effort and labor not only has to do with with what we put out to the church by way of our contribution as a member, but also what we take in. We're to the portion of this covenant where we add, where we put in the words that were missing on the website last time and if you didn't do that right after to strive for the advancement of this church then then that's where we add right there the I'll just say the first two words in knowledge in knowledge you know a willingness to work in the church that sounds great that sounds wonderful. And who can argue with that? But it's terrible if there's not a willingness to learn. We must strive for the, uh, for the advancement of this church in knowledge. You know, the most harmful thing that can happen in a church is to hold a position without being able to handle the precepts of God. We're to learn the Word of God, know the Word of God, and then work in His church. Not just willing to work. We must learn the Word of God to labor in His church. We're built up for service by the Bible. We're edified by the Word of God. We are built up and made uh, qualified to be able to serve in such a way to where it counts. It's important that there is the Word of God and then service to the Lord. The promise for Christian growth is by way of the truth. It's by way of the word of God. That's that's why the Bible says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I've read books by preachers and they were Prominent preachers. And I can tell by their writings and and listening to their sermons that they were great preachers. And they said there there were members who sat in the church for some 25 years and they never grew. But the promise for us all to grow is by the word of God. We desperately need the word of God to be able to serve in a way that is effective. Thank God for Sunday school. That, that is, I've had, I've had too many wise preachers much older than me through the years saying out of every service that you will attend, after every time you will share the word of God, there is never more learning that's going to take place than what will take place in Sunday school. I went to a revival meeting slash Bible conference a couple of years ago and you know, a preacher came in from Florida and he was going to preach the word of God. I thought he was the only speaker and the pastor of the church called up a man he must have been about 87 or 88 years old and he came and and the older you are the more i i want to want to glean from you and and so I was excited and he went to the pulpit and he brought a message at this revival meeting on Sunday school. The entire message was on Sunday school. I went up to him after I listened to the lesson. I said, I was saved in Sunday school. I just want you to know. And, and that was the whole message. And so that's the greatest learning that is going to take place. We can't just be laborers in the church. We have to be guided laborers. And we have to be guided by the word of God. But not only guided laborers, we're to be godly and morals. Uh, in morals, that, that is, uh, after in knowledge, you can add the word holiness there. As we are striving for the advancement of this church, it's not only in knowledge, but it is in holiness. Godly in morals. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. And we are being saved From the power of sin. There is a separation that is taking place for the church. From the corruption that is in this world. We won't be sinless until we go to heaven. But we're going to be sinning less. As the Lord is doing a work in our lives. And we are part of this church. And we are being Aided by the Holy Spirit of God. And we, it, God is not unfair. So we are able to follow the command and be successful when it, when it says be ye holy for he is holy. We are growing in holiness as the people of God. And the advancement of this church, it, it depends on it. And we're able to do it by way of the Lord. But not only are we godly in morals... We're godly in means, if you'll continue with me, and if you'll add, if you have not added yet, so far we've added in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. Add those two words, add comfort. You know, one way of consoling another is to meet their needs. It can do damage to cater to someone when it's an unnecessary Thing to do, but we have an obligation together to meet the needs of the poor and the sick and the weak. You know, by the way, we've all been there, I'm sure, before, and we've had someone meet our needs. We've had the Lord meet our needs in our times of being poor, weak, uh, weak and sick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 teaches us in verses 3 and 4. That we are to meet the needs of others and to comfort others the way we have been comforted of God. So we're not only godly in morals for the advancement of the church, but we're godly in means as well. And as we continue after and comfort, write the words to promote, to promote. We're moving forward. And livelihood in the church. Whether whether it's the church elevating in in the number of members in the body. Or whether it be our strengthening in the doctrine and the teaching of the church. And what we believe. or, Or by the level of finances that we have in the church. Whether that elevates for being able to do the work of God. God has privileged us with having our part in the promoting of all of these things. You know, this fruit bearing that's going to take place in the church, the promoting, it will come about by way of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We're all given a part in the prosperity and the spirituality in the church to promote It's prosperity and spirituality. And then we see uh, two other words down here. To sustain. To sustain. I was talking with a fellow one time. and, And man, what a beautiful testimony he gave me of having a co-worker that rode with him. And he had the radio on a christian station in the in the vehicle they were in together and and the conversation of the lord came up because of that and he was able to lead that person to the lord and he gave testimony of how they got got into church and they're serving the lord actively it was a beautiful testimony all the way around until he said That may be the only reason why I was put here on this earth was to lead that one person to Christ. And I'm immediately thinking, how can you say that? How can you not be just bubbling over excited to lead another dozen people to Christ or try to in the next month? I say that for us to consider this in sustaining, sustaining as a church. You know, sometimes... There's one contribution that somebody's able to make to the church in a great way, and it does a great thing. It it might be one person that we've witnessed to, and that leads to, let's say, the Lord adding five families to the church. and, And God used a member for that to happen. Praise the Lord. Maybe we've been instrumental in something like that. Maybe something happens in our lives by way of some kind of inheritance. And, and we can make uh, a great financial contribution to the church at one time. And, and look, that is well and good. And, and we ought to take uh, advantage of those single opportunities to be able to do that. But a faithful, continuous support of the church in every way, is the requirement that's given to us that we would sustain. Uh, I had a person years ago trying to make an argument about tithing in a in a certain amount, and they said, they said, well, if if things are rough, uh, if things are rough this week and that week, I'll just give this, and then I'll make it up down the road, and. And I said, well, things are just consistently happening on the same basis in the church in a lot of ways. Like the way, the, the you know, the expense of you having a home and living in your home, it's the same every month pretty much. And there's a lot of the same needs that go on in the church. Anyway... Whenever we speak of sustaining, that is a requirement for all of us. And and it would speak to a faithfulness. It would speak to something that's continuous in our lives and and something that is consistent that will take place. And, And so when we talk about sustaining here, we're talking about sustaining first, it's worship, you know, that takes being here for us as a whole to worship the Lord as a church. That takes being here. But I'll never forget the old country preacher at the at the country revival meeting I went to. And he was a little bitty old fellow, but man had a big, powerful voice. And the title of his sermon was Dumb Excuses for Missing Church. There was a young preacher there, and about 15 years later, when he got up to preach, he said, I'll never forget him preaching dumb excuses for missing church. I ended up being called to preach and, and, uh, in the church, and, and one big thing was a result of not making up that dumb excuse for, for missing. I say that because to sustain its worship it's us gathering together and being here as a whole, worshiping the Lord. But just being present doesn't do it. It's us preparing our hearts and us having reverence for God in his house during the service. It's, it's an hour of worship to the Lord, and it takes true participation, that it's participation on the parts of every church member in the hour of worship. I mean, and this is talking, and we're talking about sustaining it. We're talking about worship service after worship service. And we're talking about week after week and month after month and year after year of the church gathering together, participating, exalting the Lord and and respecting Him and giving reverence in the service. Communing with him. And giving him the praise. When we all gather. But not only sustaining its worship. But sustaining its ordinances. And we, we observe two ordinances here. And that's the Lord's Supper. And baptism. I, I have heard. I'm not going to bother looking it up. I, I don't need to for any reason. But I have heard on more of one of occasion by reliable sources that that there is a church in this area. And if you want to be sprinkled, they'll sprinkle you. If you want to be baptized, immersed one time, they'll do that. If you want to be baptized every week, they'll do that. If you feel like you've sinned a whole lot and, and you just really need a baptism, they'll do that. Look, we are to sustain the Lord's ordinances. It, it, in observing baptism and the Lord's Supper, that we would do it in a scriptural manner, that we would stay to the truth of the scriptures and what scriptures teach about these ordinances that we observe and are and are part of. We will fulfill our requirement not only to sustain its worship and its ordinances, but its discipline. We are, all agree, every single member of the church, by way of this covenant, to discipline the unruly. Being a member of this church says you agree with, with discipline and you support it. But not only that, let's, uh, all of these things must be maintained in loyalty. But let's look at, at a, a monetary lavishing As we start to close this, um, after doctrines, it says to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, we will never give we will never do anything monetarily on a level as high or as spiritual as when we give to God. There's there's no greater thing that can be done from what we have. And, and we understand that, so it's not hard to give the way the Bible teaches us to give. The Bible teaches us to give cheerfully. And the Bible teaches us to give regularly. Giving to God through His church is the most spiritual, godly thing we can do with our money. And how important is that? Well, the love of money is the root of all evil. Look at what people in this world will do for money. Look at what people in this world will do with their money. And, and so there, a lot of evil is easily tempted in every single one of us. We have something godly to do with it. We have the highest level of spirituality of what to do with our finances. We, we do several things with it when we give it to the Lord. It's for the support of the Lord's work. It's to supply the needs in God's house. It's to soothe the lack of the poor. And it's to strengthen the spread of the gospel. And that takes us to our purpose that we can close with that we can't talk about too much. Don't you know what the devil wants to do to the Lord's church? This covenant. It's a good protection for us. It's a good it's a good agreement contract for us to enter into because the devil wants to tear up the Lord's church. He he wants us to come in here with everything on our mind except for our purpose. You know, there's a sign going out the door of many churches as well as this one Uh that says you are now entering the mission field... when you walk out the doors. You know what? And that is the mission field out there. But we need a sign of reminder... as to what we're coming in here... to be built up to do. Because our mind can be on 65 wrong things... when we walk in the door of the Lord's house. But when we all remember our purpose... As a whole together, the end of the second paragraph, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Jesus is coming soon. There is a, a very hot place called hell and separation from God that many people are going to on, on an hourly basis. And our purpose is for the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that lives can be saved. Every detail of our requirements in this covenant must be fulfilled to achieve the maximum effectiveness of our purpose that we have to evangelize this entire world. We do so locally ourselves. We do so at a distance through missionaries that we support and through prayer. If we are going to glorify God, it's going to take all of us in cooperation with His commands. And the requirements in this covenant are biblical with the commands of God. So for everything we've shared, it takes cooperation from all to be of one mind, as the Bible says, for all of us to be like-minded, not straying off like a lone ranger, thinking something different about what the Bible says about things in this covenant or that the church believes about this covenant. It takes all of us cooperating with the Lord's commands that He has given to His church and us obeying every order that he has appointed to us. We have a purpose to glorify God together and to see souls saved. That is why we are here upon this earth. There is nothing more important than that. We are speaking about requirements as a whole for the church. So me, myself, and I should never get in front of Jesus. It should never be about us in the church. It should be about Jesus Christ and the purpose he has given for us and all of us to be gathered together in unity, obedient to the requirements that he has given to us. and. This is helping me so much. I'm not just a pastor here. I'm also a member of the church. And I pray this is helping you. And, and however you would like to express that to the Lord. If you'd like to. We're going to have a hymn of invitation at this time. And this is time for the saints of God to be bowed down. Uh, maybe before the altar or right there in your seat. That, that we would be so serious About the Lord's church. That that if our focus has strayed. We would ask him to forgive us. For for straying away. From from the ever present thought in our mind. And impression on our heart. Of what our purpose is. And that is to evangelize the world. Let us get ourselves out of the way. that, That we might see others and lead them to Jesus and not let any selfishness or anything like that get in the way of our focus let us bow in a word of prayer please father God in heaven we come before you tonight and dear God I thank you for for truth in your church I thank you father for the direction that we need, the guidance we need, the reminders that we need, the refreshing that we need that'll come along with conviction of the Holy Spirit and empowering of the Holy Spirit that we might serve your purpose together as a church. I thank you for the amazing unity that we are able to have because we have all been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. and. We've all been saved the same way. What was needed for one was needed for all. And you've put us in your church. And you've given us one purpose. That with all of our differences and all of our many different talents. It can all go toward evangelizing the lost world. That they might be saved. Forgive us tonight Lord. If we have lost our focus in any way. I thank you tonight that you'll help any and all to get back to where we need to be. And that we would be looking to you, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we pray these things tonight in Jesus name. Amen. If you'd all please stand.